Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Graham Thompson. Graham is the CIO at Informatica and we're here today to talk about using generative AI to boost data engineer productivity. Graham, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Mate, so so good to have you on today. Um, could you just let our listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So, um, as you said, my name is Graham Thompson. I have the pleasure of being the CIO here at Informatica. I've been here for, for just over seven years. Uh, and before that, I've worked in other technology companies, both as a as an IT leader and as a, as a business leader in supply chain and procurement and things like that. Nice one. Thank you for that. Uh, now, obviously, I wanted to kind of pick your brain today about uh, generative AI. And, you know, obviously, everyone's talking about it right now, but I really wanted to kind of get your take on how it's really, you know, impacted the data landscape from Informatica's perspective and the kind of trends that you yourself are, are kind of seeing emerging. Yeah, so Matt, I think it, like always, I think it's important to level set on definitions. A lot of times when we talk about generative AI, we end up talking about just AI. So for the purposes of this conversation, at least, I think a, um, a simple definition from uh, an industry analyst might be, might be useful. So, so Gartner describes generative AI uh, as something that refers to AI techniques that learn a representation of artifacts from data and use it to generate brand new, unique artifacts that resemble but don't repeat the original data. And I think that's really important because this is not like natural language search in something like Google that's going to surface pre-existing content. The thing that separates generative AI from everything that came before it is the ability to create something new based on a well-thought-out input or, or prompt. So for the purposes of this discussion, Let's assume that we're talking about things that are actually created, um, created new based on the data that's available to the to the model. So with that, you know, I think I think clearly we're in the early days of this, but the potential to improve the productivity of people who need to create artifacts, you know, especially where the the actual creation is routine and not the thing that has the value, is probably way beyond what you and I can imagine today. So I think about folks writing technical documentation, summarizing release notes for new product releases, summarizing support case notes, writing knowledge articles or job descriptions. It's easy to project down the road and, and see how simple generative AI capabilities will accelerate the creation of these and other artifacts like them. And probably more impactful is thinking about now that these artifacts can be generated pretty much free of charge and pretty much immediately. It's going to speed up all the things that those artifacts enable, such as solving customer problems or creating on-demand user guides inside products and, and things like that. Um, and to work properly, just like automation and traditional AI, the data that's made available to the model is going to be key. And for, for true enterprise use cases, I, I don't think companies are going to let the model loose on random data on the internet. So I think the importance of having curated data with known sources and lineage is going to become critically important. Yeah. And obviously, you know, 
implementing generative AI is so important for CIOs right now. Um, what are some you know challenges specific to the role of chief information officer um, that these kind of generative uh, language models can really help solve? Yeah, so I think uh, um, first off, we we as CIOs just need to get over the fact that this capability is here and it's not going to be uninvented. So we're we're going to have to need to deal with it, whether we at the moment you know sitting here in 2023 like it or not. And it's our choice as CIOs again to see this as a risk or an opportunity. And I think it's definitely it's definitely both. And just like other transformational industry shifts like cloud, CIOs are going to look at it differently based on the type of company we may be part of, the industry that we're in, and the level of innovation in their space. And, and we're going to adopt it at different rates, just like we did with, with cloud. But one thing, uh, one thing's for sure it's here. And whether we like it or not, we're going to have to, um, we're going to have to deal with it. So if we learn anything from being early versus late adopters of cloud, then it's probably prudent now to embrace this and look for the opportunities it provides while being aware of the risks. Depending on how the organization is structured as a CIO, you may even end up being responsible for generative AI governance and enablement within your company, which creates a huge opportunity for us as CIOs, but it's also uh, very, very high expectations that aren't always grounded in reality because there's so much hype about this and because of how how new the technology is and, and our ability to really to really use it today. So I think as CIOs, we need to lean in and, and learn about it and be seen as enablers within our organization so that the people that want to experiment don't run away from us when they think that we're just going to try and, quote, control it or govern it. We need to be seen as enabling it, but enabling it safely. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, you talk about um, the safety and the risks kind of surrounding it. Um, well, what should companies really be aware of from from a security risk and compliance perspective um, when it comes to uh, bringing AI into the company? Yeah, so I think so many of the risks are, are well documented now. And, if you know, if you just Google like what are the risks with generative AI, you're going to get the obvious ones like those factual inaccuracies for sure. Those are the hallucinations that have been uh, well publicized that are the you know the completely fabricated uh, outputs outdated information uh, especially when using publicly available solutions like chat gpt uh, biased information which is the same problem that exists in traditional ai that the training data biases can result in biased outputs and then copyright violations so the output might resemble um, copyrighted work which might get you in trouble down the road specific risks that are related to publicly available solutions like ChatGPT also include really being careful about what data is entered into ChatGPT, including the prompts. So from a security and privacy perspective, you have to consider and you have to think about educating your, your business constituents that the data that they enter into the model could end up being used as an output for another user outside your company. So for example, you certainly wouldn't want employees entering sales data or customer data into a prompt to ask ChatGPT to summarize it or to create an account plan. Uh, for instance, on the surface, they look like good ideas, but we have to consider that the data that we use to create the prompt could become part of the data set that's available for, for other users. So, so what should you do about that? If you haven't already done it, at a very minimum, I'd advise that 
CIOs and CISOs should amend their acceptable use policy, which is a, a thing that every company has, or at least add some FAQs to that document that provides specific direction on what is and is not allowed. Uh, for product companies like Informatica, we, you know, we want to make sure that we're not generating code uh, using generative AI that eventually becomes part of the product uh, until arguments about ownership and accountability are resolved. Um, think about a junior level engineer using generative AI to write a piece of code that three years down the road ends up having a security vulnerability in it. Who's accountable for that? How are you even going to find it? So we have to think about all these things before we we go crazy and start um, and start using it for things like generating product code. So I think it's really important to collaborate with our functional counterparts on understanding their aspirations to use the new capability and then partner with them so they do it safely and in a way that's going to scale across the company. Also, your CISO and general counsel will probably be monitoring the relevant regulations and laws as they continue to adapt um, to incorporate generative AI solutions. So I think it's important to partner with them as well. So lean in, partner up with your, your business uh, constituents and stay close with the CISO and the general counsel. Yeah, I like the kind of importance that you you place on the the real strategy behind kind of like utilizing these things um, and, and the kind of prioritization that you put on the employees themselves as well. Um, I guess that means robots aren't going to take our jobs away uh, too, too soon. <laughs> um so obviously and, and there has been a kind of lot of discourse around that at the moment i think that's a lot of uh you know layman's criticisms um about ai i mean what's your take on you know whether or not ai is going to start you know affecting the job market yeah i mean this is a this is a really fascinating topic uh and you know i came from you can probably tell by my accent that although i live in california uh, i'm not from california i grew up in a, a town in scotland where oh you're joking tech, um where textiles was the main thing and where the paisley pattern came from so i'm going to use you know an example from 200 years ago when the first power loom was introduced there was massive fear that the technology of that day would replace workers and take their jobs and in that case the automation had the opposite effect it increased the number of jobs in the textile industry by 10 times because as costs came down and the quality was sustainable at lower costs more people could afford could afford more clothes and other other textile products which expanded the industry and because workers had to be more skilled to use the automated equipment it led to more focus on education and then ultimately those workers were able to earn higher wages um, more recently, the same fear existed in the automotive industry, and studies there do suggest that automation has indeed reduced the number of, of factory jobs, although some would argue it's um, mostly the mundane or strenuous or dangerous jobs that, that maybe the labour market would struggle to supply in 2023. So I think as far as generative AI is concerned, its impact on productivity and economic output will be very, very positive at the macro level. Now, of course, there'll be negative impacts on certain types of jobs that lend themselves to the new kind of automation. But I think in, in uh, net net, it's going to create a ton of new jobs that don't exist today, offering opportunities for people with the right skills to potentially make more money doing a job like prompt engineering or uh, the whole technology itself, enabling people to be much more productive and, um, and effective. 
So I think definitely there's going to be an impact on the job market, but I think the net the net impact is going to be more jobs at um, higher skill levels. Now, one big impact, I think, I hope, is going to be on education. And I can only speak to the education system in the US and in the UK. And, and there, at least, the education system is still based on providing workers to the, the folks that control capital, just like it was 150 years ago, which is basically listen, study, learn, and then demonstrate what you learned by taking a standardized test. And I think, you know, if there's an example of why, you know, even in the in just the old days of, of Google, this is a, a useless way to educate our kids, um, you know, demonstrating the ability to recall information or figure something out based on a standard operating procedure that you were taught. Generative AI is definitely going to be that example. I think it's going to encourage us to value people who can ask the best question rather than people that can regurgitate the right answer to someone else's standard question. So I think of it really as a shift away from having a premium on knowing the right answer, you know, our traditional education system, to valuing curiosity, creativity, and ultimately placing a premium on those folks who can think outside the box and ask the best question. So net-net, I think generative AI is going to have an overall positive impact on economic output, and therefore the economy will support more jobs. But those jobs are certainly going to be different. And we've seen this before, uh, and there's no going back, and I think I think that's a good thing overall. Yeah, well said. I wish, uh, I wish everyone shared your optimism, Graham. <laughs> Um, I, I kind of wanted to finish off uh, this podcast um, by, by sort of talking about some of the use cases that you guys use at Informatica. Um, and I know you've kind of got a big drive towards, you know, really empowering your uh, data engineers to be more productive using this new technology. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so our, our use cases in our company are going to fall into two, um, two areas. So one is how do we use the, the new capabilities to uh, automate and create new capabilities in our company that didn't exist. So one example is customer support. So customers should be able to ask a question in plain text, and then the automation should be able to craft an answer specifically for that question. So creating an answer based on the data that we've made available to the model. Now, this is a lot different than doing a natural language search that's going to provide a document that may be relevant based on the search criteria, the next-gen solutions will actually craft a specific answer based on the precise question that the customer asked, based on data that we've curated and made available to the, to the model. And then just more generally for enterprise content creation, think about all of the different edits and things that go into content for outbound marketing, for job descriptions, white papers and things like that. And we're already, this is obviously already already going on. And then there are the use cases directly enabled by our product. Um, you know, we've had Claire, our AI engine inside our, our um, IDMC platform for years, but um, our Informatica World Conference in May, we announced Clear GPT. And, and that's going to allow our customers to do things that fall into three main categories, ask, discover, and generate. And an example of ask would be, how can I track changes to a data set? So one of the biggest issues we all have is trying to figure out what changed. And it might be, you know, my end report just showed a different result. I want to know what changed in the underlying data. 
uh, or it might be, you know, show me what happened this week, this month, today. Uh, that takes a lot of time. Um, but if you've got, if you can just, a business user can just ask a question in plain text and get an answer back, that's going to be extremely valuable and, and help our, our, our customers with their productivity. Discover would be things like explain the lineage of the sales KPI dashboard, um, which will take you right down to, you know, does the data come from Salesforce or does it come from Oracle or does it come from the GL or does it come from another outside source that's consumed into your data warehouse? Again, understanding those data lineages is difficult and usually requires a, a high-skilled data scientist type person but being able to put that capability in the hands of a business user who's consuming the end report, I think is going to be uh, amazingly powerful. And then on the um, uh, the generate side, it would be help me find data sets needed to create a customer churn report. So a business user wants to generate a specific outcome and they're not quite sure where all the data lives. ClearGBT can help them go off to a good start by showing them all of the data that might be valid to solve the use case that they um, that they just described, so I, I think the, the possibilities for this are way beyond what we can what we can see today. But I'm really excited about the new things we're going to be able to do inside our company and also for our for our customers. Yeah, it sounds like you've got some super exciting things going on. Um, and, and guys, uh, to, to those who are listening, if you do want to learn more, please head on over to informatica.com. Uh, Graham, we're running out of time. Uh, are there any final words from uh, yourself or any words of wisdom to, to share with the audience? Um, so obviously it's early uh, and things are moving really quickly and it creates amazing opportunities, but also risks. So lean in and um, position, I think as a CIO, position yourself as someone that's fostering innovation and experimentation while having a healthy a healthy look at risk. Uh, and then thinking longer term as enterprise capabilities for these new solutions become more widely available. As a CIO, you're going to want to think about the state of your data and whether you have curated, trusted data that you can provide to these models for customer support, for technical product documentation, marketing data, customer data. Three years from now, the companies that win in the use of generative AI are going to be the ones who can unleash the tool on trusted data and bring that data to life within their organization. As a CIO or the CDO, I would argue that that's your responsibility. Also, Graham, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And also thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast today. We hope you took a lot away from, and for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to informatica.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to em360tech.com. Mm-hmm.